Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. This is the ContenderCast. It's Justin Hahnemann. We're shining a light on bright ideas. And today we're talking consulting and consulting services in the cloud space. We're talking technology. We're talking consulting. And with me today from Candid Partners is Merrick Olives and John Peake. Guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us, George. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, I am super excited. So um, I've known Merrick for years and I've known John for a couple of years. And you guys have an incredible company here with Candid Partners. And so let's first talk about how did you get here? Where did this all start? How did you guys get this company started? And Merrick, why don't we start with you? Well, both John and I had our own small uh, consulting firms and we were introduced by a mutual client. We're both doing some work at uh, our favorite client here in Atlanta and uh, with a uh, big red logo, maybe yeah, uh, beverage manufacturer, <laughs> one of the world's one of my favorites, yeah, exactly, <laughs> most recognized brand in the world. And uh, our mutual client uh, uh, suggested we get together. We were awesome. both kind of small and wanted to do something larger. And she introduced us. Yeah. And Merrick and I worked together back in the day at Ernst & Young. That's where I started my career. And, and Merrick and I worked together there, now EY. And then we had another consulting stint together at North Highland. Yes. Right? Yep. Back in the so, day. Awesome. All right. And John? Yeah. So how do we uh, how do we get together? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, that was basically it. The client introduction. And uh, it was interesting. We, we were both motivated to some degree to find a way to make our businesses scale a little, little bit better and faster. And, um, you know, it all kind of came together really quickly, like from the point of meeting to talking through our, our goals and objectives to putting together a plan and executing on it, like going from having just met to having a, like a new operating agreement and everything, everything just fell into place in about three months. Yeah, it's interesting because I had a chance to watch this from the outside, right, with you guys. And, and I was impressed by how quickly it came together. And John, you had your own business before, right, in this space. So several... So what made this work? I mean, as you know, not every partnership is the right partnership, but what is it about this that made it click with you and Merrick? You know, it's, it's interesting. Merrick and I are very different people. Um, and uh, I think, honestly, I think it's just complementary like personalities and skill, uh, complementary personalities and skill sets. So I'm the IT guy. He's the management consulting guy with, with the, the much better wardrobe than I have. And, uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. And um yeah, so that, that that worked well. And then one, one interesting thing is uh, a couple of years into it, we both took personality tests. Yeah. And I, what's the name of the test? It's, HPDI. There we go. There we so go. we took the test. One of here, my favorites. Here's, here's the, uh, here kind of, this kind of pulls it all together. We had exactly the same score out of 100. So Wow. The same colors? Exactly. In every dimension. In You're every kidding dimension. me. Yeah. So a little bit of sidebar here. You guys don't know this, but we've talked about HPDI a couple of times on the podcast. And it is one of my favorite like tools or instruments to use to really build a team and to understand each other's preferences and whatnot. You guys were the same? Yeah, so we think alike, but we're very different personalities. So that's I honestly think those are two things that just makes it all work really well. Like when 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 there's a gap or problem in the company, one of us will usually kind of ride up, rise up and take the lead. Sure. Uh, that you know, we we're very supportive, communicate a lot to each other about what what the other is doing and kind of what are, you know, when we're dealing with an issue. Hey Merrick, this is how I'm going to handle the situation. You good with that? And you know, and he'll say yay or nay, and it seems to work really smoothly. Yeah, so think yin and yang, opposite personalities, but exactly the same thinking style. So for us, we have a short—it's a short or shorthand. 
we can get we might have see the issue very differently, but we get to the same answer pretty quickly. That's just awesome. Well, you guys play in this space called the cloud space, and I blew past that quickly in the intro. But not everybody listening understands what we mean by cloud services. So, could one of you give us just the quick, you know, thirty to sixty second one hundred and one on cloud services and capabilities because it's one of the hottest things going right now. Yeah, and it's a way overused term or it's used in a very generic way. And I, I, this is a very opinionated view of what cloud is. To me, cloud. There's only, well, when we talk about cloud, I'm thinking public cloud. And I'll be honest, I think that there are, are three real cloud environments in the world. It's, okay. it's AWS, yep, Azure, Google Cloud. <laughs> Everything else is, is on-prem with the, you know, or something similar that people are, are relabeling cloud. And cloud, to me, uh, provides an amount of elasticity and limitless resources and a level of autonomy um, that other hosting environments do not have. In, in essence, with a cloud, with with the right cloud environment, one of these environments, you pretty much are completely autonomous to do and scale up and deploy a, a limitless amount of infrastructure with a limitless amount of capacity by yourself without having to go through third parties or support or any of those things. Right. And so, Merrick, I mean, this is an area that I'm, I know you see all the time, but a lot of the big clients that you guys have and that I work with every day they're not even close to being in the quote-unquote cloud. They're stuck in legacy, monolithic, expensive, hard-to-manage, like on-premise systems, right? Th that's uh, exactly true. But what we're seeing is a big shift in their mentality around that. There was a big inflection point around, I'm going to say, 12 to 18 months ago, where they got over the hump and said, this is something we want to do. So what we're seeing now with our, with our clients is, yeah, we want to do this. We don't really understand it a lot, and we really don't know how to get there, but we recognize that, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. There's a big value proposition for us to, to do that. Yeah, and I think one of the early you know questions around cloud was around security, right, and and where to put data and, and data security, and that's why companies still today are investing in data centers. Uh, have you seen that shift at all in terms of the, the focus and, and understanding or, or confidence level? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, here's here's the thing is if you do cloud right, it, it is absolutely more secure. You have to do it. You have to pivot in the way you think about security. But like, you know, there's a lot of, lot of large companies that made big investments in their own data centers because they think they're more secure. And I, I don't know if we're allowed to mention a certain certain financial services company based in Atlanta that learned after spending a few hundred million dollars, learned that that, that wasn't true as well. And those right. guys, by the way, um, cannot say them. Yeah, Equifax. Equifax. Uh, where are those guys going? They're going to AWS after spending hundreds of million, millions of dollars on their on a, their own data center strategy. We did an analysis of the top data breaches, maybe the top 15 or 20 in the past four or five years. Not one of them were on the public cloud space. They were all on-prem breaches. Right, because it's always more secure in our data center, but that's not the case. That's not true. And and for those of you that are, and you're, you're seeing more and more, right, around data and information security, which we'll talk about on a future podcast, but it certainly plays in the cloud space. Yeah, and the thing is, is it, the pivot is when it comes to security, and when I was talking about cloud environments, it's automation, it's it's autonomy, automation. All the security rules need to be automated and you know, like literally put in code. Like if you do that, instead of having guys that come around and, and try to enforce policies and look at what you're, you know, visually pull up and look at how you deployed and built your infrastructure, you should be able to code all of your compliance and regulatory rules, like write all that in code, have it running before environments get deployed and after environments are deployed and people are making modifications to them, all that stuff should be enforced in code. So you, you know definitively 
what what's out there. And, and that's a key part of our business model. We're not only in the services company, but we provide IP and software to help enforce all that. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that was my miss on that one. Well, okay. So talk about the company itself. So we could spend probably an hour or two just on cloud and the cloud capabilities and what's trending and all of that. But talk about building the business um, in, in coming together and then growing the business. Like what have been the things that have been key to building a culture? Let's start with that one. Well, I think that the culture emanates from the personality of the leadership Period. I mean, that, totally. is, that's all is totally doing. agree. And you guys are that. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we have a bias towards execution. So we have no rules, no structure, no performance evaluation. It's nothing. What? <laughs> no, it's get the job done and do it well. If you do that's that, awesome. it's all good. And it, it, you know, that defines our culture. The other side of that part is that we're, all, we're both family guys and we've been around a long time and we don't, no BS. We just take care of your family and work hard at work. Yeah, and I would also say that, like at the end of the day, it's we want really good problem solvers. So you can have technical skills, but you know what? You need to be a good problem solver and be able to deal with kind of unstru- unstructured environments sure. at the client, and even even in here, because to Merrick's point, we we are as a company less structured. But if you're a good problem solver, you thrive in those environments. If you're not, you need a lot of structure. You need a roadmap to get anywhere. You're you're going to be in trouble in a place like ours, and that, and that is very much our culture. But people that that are here. They've been in the industry for like 20, 25 years. Absolutely. So, yeah, I know some of the people that you have here, and I have to say, I'm, I'm so impressed that they're here and the work that they're doing. I, I've worked with many of them in the past. So, you've attracted amazing talent, and that's part of how you've grown. Like, what have been some of the keys in terms of building out the, the people capabilities and then uh, the delivery capabilities for your clients? You know, one thing is, is it's it's just taken, you know, I've got the technical background, it's just taken a while to bring in some of that really hard hitting technical talent, but we've been doing it over the years. And you do reach a certain critical mass um, of technical talent and size of company where you start getting cachet in the market. Sure. And then people, then you hear about it. So now in the past, literally in the past six, 12 months, everyone that's walking through the door for an interview, they're like, oh yeah, I've definitely heard of you guys. And six, it's been the last six to 12 months, but how long has it been since you started the business? I want to give this five, a, five and five and a half years. Exactly. And even before that, yep. with my company, I was providing a lot of the technical architects at it. It takes time, right? Yeah. It takes I mean, time I was to that, brand. If you roll that in, it was eight, nine years. Wow. But our strategy has always been delivery first and it's a small town, all relationships. You can't screw up one project. So when we were starting out, we, we were growing really fast. We actually throttled that back to make sure we we're delivering every project right. So it's you know delivery first. We start every year with our strategic plan and we pick one thing that we need to get better at. We don't have a revenue goal or a headcount goal. It's what do we need to get better at this year? Wow. And we work that year to do that. And you know, by getting better, we have longer term annuity relationships with our clients. That is really cool. Well, in this space, and this is the third area I wanted to dive into, there's a lot of competition, right? I know that um, with any of these big companies or medium or small companies in town, they're always talking to multiple potential partners around the space that you guys play in. So how have you guys been successful? Like what's been the door opener? And then what's helped you grow in the in the world of a lot of other vendors out there? Yeah, I would just, you know, I mean, our, our differentiators that we combine the skills of the big four um, management consultancies, like the global, in, global GSIs, global integrators, and um, like the deep technical experience, um, deep cloud native experience. And so that, that combination, plus going after Fortune 200 companies, there's just not, there's just not a lot of kind of boutique consultancies out there that are right. positioned in our, in our, in our penetrating that market because we're small guys to be penetrating Fortune 200. Um, 
but I, you know, we had those, that combination of skills is, is making it happen for us. And the other thing we do a lot of, we say no to stuff. We get pulled into a lot of projects that are not what we define as core. And it, in a lot of ways that starts to dilute you and be, you become on a, in a race to the bottom around rates and right. all that kind of stuff. So we say that strategy is defined by what you say no to. Wow. That's another, we're hitting the lessons learned early. Well, and Merrick, you and I have talked a lot in the past about the value of relationships. And so uh, I know not only in the Atlanta area, but Southeast and nationally, you know, you guys see leaders leave companies, move to other companies. These are your clients a lot of times that move around. So what have, what would you say around the value of relationships in terms of being door openers for you guys in terms of new business? Well, that, that's everything. That's how we get in and, and into a new account. But I'll also say that our relationships with our clients are valuable to them as well. If they hire us and we do a great job, they get promoted. It's a mutually beneficial thing. It's not just them giving us business. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, we were having lunch before this and you were talking about one specific client who we won't mention, but where they ran into a big challenge, right? A, re- a big problem with a current partner of theirs and you guys were able to invest your time and team to fix that and resolve it literally within a day. And it was a huge, huge yeah, we call win that for a, you guys. A project red button, a client here had, a, uh, <laughs> had an immediate need to get an app up and running and it was failing from another uh, provider that was helping them. And our architecture team, Herculean effort to get it rewritten, re-architected and up in a 20-hour time period. Yeah. And what I think is amazing about that, that required investment, stopping doing other things while your team had to do that. They had probably worked, I know they worked weekends, overtime, maybe didn't get paid for all that, right? I mean, it was just you guys did that. But the investment with that client that anybody listening would recognize will go a long way. Yeah. Broke broke a lot of rules, you know, did things very differently for them, but it was a crisis and it's, you know, we worked them through it and that'll solidify a relationship with that client. Absolutely. Now we've shared time in the trenches with them. So So you guys have grown now five, six years. So um, last, what I wanted to hit on were some of the big lessons learned. You've mentioned a couple of things that you guys do, which I think are really cool around operating model, I'll call it, but what have been like two or three of the big lessons learned in growing the business and, and in this space, John, especially with your experience and with other companies prior? Yeah. I mean, it, um, you know, what, what gets you to a certain point is not going to be the same thing that gets you to the next level. And I, you know, that's one of those elementary things. They talk about that a lot, but I mean, it, when you've lived through it and just figuring out what, the, how did it get, I mean, companies always plateau and then, then grow plateau. And r- literally in the past year and a half or two, like totally revamping our marketing and our, our sales process, okay. com- like completely revamping. Like br- you're branding the company or what do you mean by marketing and sales I'll, here? I'll be honest, like up till a year ago, all of our sales were purely organic and they're driven by the the client lead tier, which is a yeah. delivery delivery tier of people and America myself. And that that was not, when, when we were going into our specialization around cloud, um, that was not working great for us. And then honestly, you know, at 60 people in the company, that wasn't scaling well. And so putting, implementing like a very formal business development process, having people that are, experts in sales. And when you work hand in hand with a real sales expert, sure, then you look like amateurs the way you were previously doing it very <laughs> nice. quickly. It's tra- and same nice. thing with marketing, like right. all of our marketing material, it's, it's literally two months new, old new and level. it's good. It's like, I'm, level. I'm really proud of all the, all the, the stuff that we put together. That's so awesome. that that's definitely one key lesson. And Eric, what, what are the couple other lessons that you call out? I think you've had a couple of epiphanies along, along the way. And one of them, you tend to make some assumptions in the way that you're operating 
like the sales model. Sure. I grew up in relationship-based sales. It's about the partner, blah, blah, blah. But then you have this epiphany. It's like, you know what? That doesn't work anymore. We're in a different space. You need to challenge the way you think about those things and right. turn it turn it around. And then once you turn it around, you go, ah, you have these you know, kind of these bright bulb, light bulb moments and you go, that's it. And then you move quickly to get it done. So the, the other thing is as you grow, your pace isn't as fast because you have more people to deal with. Oh, that's interesting. And it's always about the people. And so your cost structure is going to go up a little bit. Sure. Your margins might contract because you're, you, it takes more people to get the stuff done now because you're a bigger enterprise. And you just have to be patient with that and play people in position. When, when you start a company, it's like five-year-old soccer. Everyone's running around the ball. <laughs> Bunch right? ball. Yes. And as you mature, people you play people in position and you get right. better and you get your, your game gets elevated. And we're kind of going through that now. Interesting. So um, last but not least, where are you guys headed? Like and you think look at the next year, two years, three years, like what are the big things on your radar screen you want to focus on? Uh, I think that we're tar- kind of to Merrick's point earlier. We were targeting four or five enterprise level clients that that uh, to expand in and um, you know, continue building out and, and driving a uh, really close knit culture where everyone's an A player, right. very experienced, very deep technically. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, those those are two of the prime, primary goals: continue building out the sales sales organization, recruiting, and, and marketing. I think that we're, we've got a really good start on those. The market is so big in this space; we need to stay on message, stay focused, and do no harm. Keep delivering. I love that. There's nothing. We don't need to make any massive changes. No, that's great. I I love hearing that. Um, Where can our audience find you guys? How can they connect with you? How can they link in with you guys? How do they find Candid Partners? (laughs) Candidpartners.com. Simple, right? Pretty simple. (laughs) LinkedIn, CandidPartners.com. Our marketing is getting a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have to change that for you. All right. Hey, guys, thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's been awesome. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Justin. Justin. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderBrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.